In today's Trouble with the Snap, we will be recapping very eventful Week 12 before jumping into some discussions about the latest college football playoff rankings. Roll the intro. Nick Saban, and in 2003, the Tigers captured the BCS. Michigan State's Dalen West takes in and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Trouble with the Snap. I'm your host Colton Deutsch, joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend in College Station and in Houston, Will Shemansky. Will, how's it going? I'm doing very well. How are you, Colton? Pretty good. Happy to be on Thanksgiving break. Got to come back home and have a little bit of homework to do over the break, which is pretty unfortunate and potentially illegal. But yeah, it's nice to get to relax pretty much fully and be back at home. What about you? I'm doing well. Um, exact same thing as you. I'm just really happy to be home for uh, Thanksgiving break. Although, as I mentioned, AM did not have Monday and Tuesday off. So today was technically my last day of classes. So just had to wrap up some homework, take care of some business before I truly get to enjoy my break. But all of that is behind me now and it is full Thanksgiving mode for me. I'm really happy to have these next few days off. What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? It's a really good question. Someone asked me this the other day too. Um, I mean, I, I, I absolutely love turkey and like ham, but that's like the most basic answer you can give. So I would probably have to go with, I'm a big green bean casserole guy. I was going to say um, that too. I love I, green bean casserole. I absolutely love green bean casserole. Um, my dad's been making it my entire life and it's always one of my favorite things that he makes. Um, between green bean casserole, mashed potatoes or gravy, um, and of course like pumpkin pie for dessert, like it's just, it's so good, all of it. I mean, I just, mm, so good. I've never been a big stuffing guy, honestly. So stuffing for me is hit or miss. Because um, my dad makes homemade stuffing. I'm not, I'm not like knocking my dad's cooking at all. It's just a personal preference. Um, because my parents absolutely love it. Uh, but my sister and I, it just kind of went over our heads. I I, uh, I certainly enjoy it on occasion, but it's not one of my you know absolute must-have things for every Thanksgiving. Yeah, honestly, for me, as long as I have the mashed potatoes, turkey, and the green bean casserole, I think I'm pretty much set. Absolutely. Yeah, should we jump into some ball? Yeah, let's do it. You want to lead us off? Yes, yeah, so we had a big-time ACC matchup here in Hard Rock Stadium with about 40 people in the stands. You had Louisville defeats Miami 38-31. to This was a pretty fun back-and-forth game, pretty high scoring. You had big games out of Jack Plummer and Tyler Van Dyke, respectively. Van Dyke was kind of limping around for uh, some of this game, so credits him for toughing it out. But Louisville was able to kind of win the fourth quarter, and they made a stop late. Uh, kind of backed up on their own goal line, and they were able to clinch spot in the ACC championship game and get to 10 wins. So nice win there for Jeff Brom the cards. Yeah, this was a, certainly a huge game for Louisville. Obviously, uh, with the win, they would clinch a spot in the conference championship game, and clearly that's exactly what they did down in Hard Rock Stadium. Um, as Colton did mention, this game certainly was back and forth for the vast majority of it. However, I do believe 
um, the play that was the difference uh, that was the difference maker for Louisville was um, Colton. Did you happen to see this on that go ahead touchdown score? There were two like Miami DBs that ran into each other, and yeah, the wide just, receiver is able to just streak completely down the sideline untouched. They, they completely collided. Yeah, so um, that's that's pretty uh, that's, that's that's pretty nice metaphor or whatnot. Or not metaphor, but um, a symbol for just how this season has gone for the people in Miami. Um, it's a bummer that only like five people are there to, to watch it, as you just said. But anyways, um, yeah, great win for Louisville. Obviously, as Colton also did just say, first year head coach, um, you know, did a has done a hell of a job to this point, and the Cards are looking for their first conference championship in quite some time. Let's move to the Pac-12. Arizona and Jed Fish destroy the Utah Utes 42-18. to This game wasn't really close at all. It was 21-0 in the first quarter. And ever since Noah Fafita stepped in for Jane Delora, this Wildcats offense has looked really, really good. And Arizona actually has still in the mix for the Pac-12 championship game. If Oregon loses to Oregon State and Arizona beats Arizona State, which is likely that Wildcats will find themselves in the Pac-12 title game. So, yeah, pretty dominant win there for the Wildcats. Unfortunate for the Utes the way this season has kind of gone, but they are getting Cam Rising back next year. So they will most certainly be a pretty solid team in 2024. All right, switching over to the SEC, let's take a look real quick at Georgia over Tennessee, 30-10 in Rocky Top. Um, so at the start of this game, Tennessee was able to go up 7-0. I believe it was on their first drive. Um, you know, um, Oh my goodness, my brain just went blank. Um, it was a, it was a pretty quick pass play over the middle, and um, Tennessee was able to break it home and go all the way for the score. Uh, but unfortunately, that was their only lead of the game uh, because ever since that, Georgia was able to equalize and then eventually take the lead as like ten seven, and then ultimately uh, Georgia just did Georgia things and completely dominated the game um, on both sides of the ball. Um, so ultimately, not not the best showing from Joe Milton and company by any means. Um, as for Georgia, though, as I was saying, you know, as um, I've, I've talked about this a little bit in the past few episodes, they just continue to just get better and better, better and better and stronger and stronger as the season goes on. Um, and ultimately, they are looking like they will be in great shape with their SEC cha- um, against Alabama and the SEC championship game coming up in just a short fo- coming up in a few weeks. Good Lord, that was a struggle. I apologize. Let's move to the Big Ten. Iowa clinches a spot in the Big Ten championship game in Indiana with a 15-13 win over Illinois. We joke about it, and their offense still only put up 15 points, but Deegan Hill is actually playing pretty well. He was 19-29 for 167, a touchdown, no picks. Iowa was behind in this game until pretty late when they had a Caleb Johnson touchdown run, and then their defense, of course, was able to stifle the Illini. So we do make fun of him a lot, but... Still was pretty cool, even if it might have been in spite of him, that Brian Ferenz and his father, Kirk, get to get to win a division title together. That's definitely a pretty cool thing to get to do together as a father and son, especially now that this is Brian's last year. But yeah, Iowa wins this game. And we should mention that Cooper Jean, the Iowa star defensive back and returner, is actually out for the season. He got hurt in practice the week before. So that's definitely pretty big loss for the Hawkeyes, but nonetheless, they find a way to defeat the Illini and they are ready for Indianapolis in a couple weeks. So Colton, if you remember a couple of weeks ago, um, 
you know, we you were we were all hyping up talking about how we'll talk about we'll tell our kids about like twelve and one Iowa, so on and so forth, and you know, conference championship. Well, unfortunately, we're not going to be able to tell them about twelve and one Iowa, but we'll damn sure tell them about eleven and two Iowa at the conference championship under their belt, no question. Um, anyways, as for this game, um, oddly enough, Iowa, their offense is was this, it made the difference they were actually able to uh score the ball when they had it they, they didn't have to rely necessarily on defensive scores um and ultimately although it's 15 points total as a team it was still certainly enough to um get the win over a pretty stout illinois team so all in all congratulations to iowa on clinching the big 10 west and best of luck going forward into the conference title game just wait for that brian Ferrin's legacy games a play caller against ohio state or michigan when Can't they wait. pull out the triple pass, the fumble ruski, the Statue of Liberty hook and ladder, and they win that game. Absolute masterclass. I really hope they're they're uh, studying that 2007 Fiesta Bowl Boise State team like to a T right now. I actually we'll get to it uh, in a bit, but I saw someone ask a question on Twitter like, "What's the what's the nightmare scenario for the playoff committee?" and I think someone mentioned like the winner of Ohio State Michigan gets blown out by uh, Iowa, and I just started laughing out loud. <laughs> It's a very real possibility. I mean, I'm telling you, you and I have been talking about it. You know, what if I was just, their bag is so deep, but they haven't shown anything up to this point. I mean, you never know. Anything's possible. Yeah, Will and I have some sources up in Iowa City that I think tell us there's a pretty disgusting game plan in uh, setting up for Indianapolis in a couple Absolutely. of weeks. Absolutely. And you pair that with their defense, how good they are. I mean, it's amazing they've lost two games at this point in the season, but I, I, I get it. They're playing chestnut checkers. Yeah, I mean, they've been saving it all up. Let's move to the ACC. Clemson, uh, I guess you got to buy stock in them now, as Dabo Sweeney would say. They are now 7-4. They take down the North Carolina Tar Heels 31-20. Uh, this game kind of, it just kind of, I mean, even though it was it was kind of close the whole way, it always kind of felt like Clemson was a control. They seemed a lot more physical, even though Carolina was able to run the ball on them pretty well. Kate Klubnik is steadily showing some improvement, and Will Shipley's still a stud. So this could be a kind of a strong close to the year for the Tigers, and we'll see if they can kind of parlay that into a more successful 2024 season. Uh, They're kind of able to, once again, Drake May goes under 50% completion. It's just been kind of an up-and-down year for him, this entire offense, which is kind of weird considering that they're able to run the ball so well. But, yeah, it just didn't really seem like Carolina was really physical enough to handle Clemson, and the Tigers improved to 7-4. Yeah, not very Sorry. Oh, sorry. If you don't mind, I'll touch on this real quick. Uh, just not very much to say here. I'll just I'll keep it short and sweet. Um, you know, um, my uh, preseason ACC uh, champion pick has certainly had their ups and downs this season. There's no question about that. However, over these past few weeks, whatnot, they have certainly shown uh, some pretty solid improvement. And um, I, I understand that Kate Klubnik has been horrible at times. However, as Colton did touch on a moment ago, he is actually showing some signs of life and some signs of actual gradual improvement. And so, um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see if Clemson will be able to ultimately get a win over South Carolina this coming week. I'm assuming that they probably will. And uh, we'll see if they can finish the season strong with a bowl win and uh, carry that momentum over into next season. Oklahoma State defeats U of H 43-30. Uh, Oklahoma State finally played kind of well on the road in the first quarter and first half for a while. It kind of looked like Oklahoma State was just going to barf up any chance of the Big 12 title that they had. But, uh, I mean, they were able to really pour it on there. Uh, at the end of the first half, and then in the second half, they just totally dominated, and they're in a great position to 
make the conference championship game. Ollie Gordon is still a beast, and Alan Bowman has been playing really, really, really well. So, yeah, Oklahoma State is right there for the Big 12 championship game. Pac-12 matchup in a monsoon. Will, do you want to hit on this one first? Sure, let me go for it. Um, the game we're talking about is Washington-Oregon State. Washington ultimately won 22-20, and I know we'll get there in a moment, but this was one of my locks of the week that did hit. So um, no need to uh, have a little shameless self-plug there, but it is what it is. Um, anyways, very good game from uh, DJ Uiagalele. I hope I said that correctly. If not, I'll just call him DJ Ukulele. Um, you know, this game was in Corvallis, and um, – yeah, it, it, uh, that environment certainly, in my opinion, was definitely getting to Michael Penix. And um, it, it was certainly a tough environment, no question. Um, ultimately, though, Washington, as I did call in our um, preview of Week 12, I did think that even though this would be incredibly tough for them to go in there and get the win, I still think that they would. And certainly that's what happened on Saturday. And the, the perfect and undefeated season is still alive and well uh, for the Huskies. Yeah, this is a great game. I mean, you got to mention what the weather conditions were like. It was it was raining pretty heavily there, and Corvallis can be a tough place to play, especially with how well the Beavs have been playing the last couple of seasons. Uh, really, the only thing that was working for the Huskies for most of this game was just Michael Penix throwing to Rome Adunze. And uh, to the Huskies' credit, I think we have all been a little bit concerned about their defense, but uh, they were kind of shut down for most of the second half and their defense was able to find a way to hold off the Beavers. So big time win there for Washington. They clinched a spot in the Pac-12 title game. Going to the Big 12, Texas defeats Iowa State in Ames 26-16. The story of this game is the Texas defensive line. Devondre Sweat is a monster, as is Byron Murphy. They held the clones to nine yards rushing. They still have some problems in the secondary, but Iowa State was not really able to muster more than... 16 points. Uh, the Texas offense kind of frustrating in the first half. They kind of shot themselves in the foot a couple of times, had some penalties called back and fumbled inside the 10-yard line. But in the second half, they were able to settle in. Quinn Ewers had a nice game. And C.J. Baxter filled in about as well as you could have asked uh, for a guy replacing Jonathan Brooks. He went for over 100 yards. And Longhorns improved to 10-1. and SMU takes down Memphis 38-34 to in a big American matchup. And uh, yeah, I mean, Preston Stone has played really well. Former A&M running back LJ Johnson also had himself a pretty nice game. And SMU is in a good spot to make the American Championship game and potentially host it if they're able to win this week. All right, going to the game I was at this weekend. Um, A&M take on, took on Abilene Christian in College Station. Um, quite honestly, I'm not even sure what the final score was because we all predicted A&M to win and pretty comfortably. Um as for this game, it was certainly, as I mentioned uh, in the last episode, this was interim head coach Elijah Robinson's first game at the helm for the Aggies. And um, cert- I certainly think he did a pretty pretty damn good job. Um, you know, this game started out kind of in a, in a very interesting way for AM. Um, our first pass play of the game was tipped up and received – or not received. It was tipped up and picked off by Abilene Christian and returned to the house for – um, a touchdown for Abilene Christian. So that was certainly, um, you know, a punch right in the face. Uh, like, welcome to the head coaching world, Mr. Elijah Robinson. Anyways, after that, though, um, and was able to gather and collect themselves and have a very nice game overall. Um, however, the most notable thing that happened on the football field on Saturday had nothing to do um, 
with the score or individual stats, whatnot. It was um, when Coach Robinson elected to bring out the all 12th man kickoff team, just like how Coach Jackie Sherrill did back in 1983 against Cal to open up the season. Um, this has been certainly one of AM football's most. Uh, I, wouldn't, I don't want to say sacred. That doesn't feel like the right word, but it's it's certainly one of the biggest fan favorite traditions that we have here at AM for football. And to see um, all 12, or excuse me, all 11 players, oh, I need to correct myself one more time. To see 10 walk on players plus the kicker on a kickoff team, um, that was certainly something special. And it was certainly something we haven't seen here in College Station for a very long time. So to see that again on Saturday, it was just an incredible thing. Um, and yeah, it was it was just awesome. But all in all, AM had a had a pretty dang good game, I would say. Um, and you know that I, I hope that um, this game was able to give them enough preparation as they go to Baton Rouge this coming weekend to take on LSU for rivalry week. However, we will break that down in the next episode. Uh, last game we have here, for the most part, we have a uh, Mizzou takes down Florida at home on Tuesday night, thirty three. To 31. This is actually a great game. Uh, Graham Mertz played really, really well uh, until he trucked to Florida defenders and then broke his collarbone. But Max Brown was able to step in and actually got them the lead uh, pretty late in the game. And then, well, I'm sure you saw this. It was uh, for people who didn't watch, you had a fourth and 17. Mizzou did uh, down by a point and you know, pretty much everything on the line right there. And Somehow, star receiver Luther Burden just gets wide open in zone coverage, and then Mizzou's able to dink it down a couple more times. Not that they need to get any closer because their kicker is an absolute beast, but uh, his name Harrison Mephis? I forget what his first name is. Is it Harrison? Something like that. Uh, I'm not then, entirely sure, but I just remember that the ESPN broadcast called him like the thicker kicker or something like that. So I'm yeah, the thicker that. kicker Mevis went out there and just nailed a uh, pretty pretty easy kick. But it's college kickers, and Mizzou improves to nine and two, and they are in very good shape to make a New Year's Six bowl game as long as they can handle the Arkansas Razorbacks, who, by the way, Arkansas elected to keep Sam Pittman around, which is interesting. But uh, yeah, as far as that goes, I think that'll just about wrap up our Week 12 recap. Uh, Will, do you want to start with your locks of the week? Because they went a bit better than mine did. Sure, let's do it. Um, So this week, I unfortunately did not go undefeated like how I have the past two weeks. Um, However, I still did go one and one. Um, so I'll start with the good news. Actually, no, I'll start with the bad news and ultimately wrap up with the good news. Um, so my one miss of the week, I took Duke minus three and a half at Virginia. Um, you know, considering that Virginia has certainly had, um, a pretty down season, I believe that they're, they've struggled to even get up to like three or four wins, whatever it is up to this point. Um, and with Duke head coach, Mike Elko, with his incredible defensive mind and things like that, I realized that Riley Leonard was certainly injured. Um, but I still thought Duke was that good of a team to ultimately get this done. However, that was not the case um, as Virginia did end up winning um, by a field goal. So although I did take Duke minus three and a half, if I would, if I only would have taken Virginia plus three and a half, I would have been two for two this week. Um, but anyway, shout out to Virginia, the Cavaliers, uh, great game, great win. Um, and although I did miss my lock of the week, uh, it's still no big deal because I didn't necessarily have any money on this. Um, anyways, uh, closing out my locks with the good news. Um, I had Washington plus two and a half at Oregon state. Um, although we did just talk about this a moment ago, absolute downpour in Corvallis. Um, but as I predicted, and I kind of explained just a moment ago, Washington, you know, I, I thought they'd go in there and handle business. That's why I chose them. And they absolutely did. Um, 
rain, rain or shine, um, those Huskies will get it done. And that's exactly what happened on Saturday. And that is ultimately why I took them as my other lock of the week. So all in all, pretty solid weekend. I mean, one one I mean, I realize that you want to go undefeated every week, but a win is still a win and I will take them uh, wherever I can get them. Yeah. So even though Will actually went one and one he still, of course, did better than me. I remember, I really might need to give up on this, on this segment. Uh, this has just been a disaster. I look, OU, I mean, I hate you guys, but uh, had some faith in y'all, 24 and a half at BYU, who I thought was maybe the worst team Texas played all season. BYU started Jake Retzklaff, actually the first Jewish quarterback in BYU history. And he's apparently one of three undergraduate Jews at BYU. So good for the Cougs. And he actually played pretty well, unfortunately, threw a 100-yard pick six, which I don't really know why BYU threw the ball because they were running the ball very well. But that was kind of able to give OU a seven-point lead. BYU fought back, tied the game, and then, of course, turned it over again. And then OU was able to score and win 31-24. to So uh, pretty nice effort there from BYU's first-ever Jewish quarterback. But uh, OU was able to win 31-24, to which, unfortunately, was not even close to winning by more than 24 like I predicted. In the Sunflower Showdown, Kansas State beats Kansas 31-27, to although unfortunately I had Kansas State minus 8. Uh, credit to Lance Leipold in Kansas. I mean, they started their third-string quarterback, Cole Mallard, a freshman, and he actually played really well. Uh, Kansas probably should have won this game. They were up by double digits at one point and then by four points in the fourth quarter until they muffed a punt at midfield in case they took the lead and was kind of able to hold on from there. So, I mean, I guess I technically picked the winners, but I unfortunately did not get the margin of victory, uh, you know, correct. And in the case of OU, it wasn't even really close. So we do go 0-2, but luckily we have one more week of the season and then conference title, playoffs, and bowls. So there is still time to get back on track, but I don't know. I mean, I might have to give up at this point. Other thing I want to mention, uh, Auburn loses to New Mexico State 31-10. I mean, that's just disgusting work by Hugh Freeze. Um, I'll just say I, as I, an I, Aggie, I'll just say as an Aggie, I was thrilled because one of our five-star receivers from Bama was at Auburn. Um, he's been projected to flip to Auburn for about a week or two now. He's always kind of been projected to be on the verge of flipping. And so he was in person at Jordan-Hare to watch that game. And so that uh, – as an Aggie, it made me really happy to know that. I just wanted to throw that out there. I wonder what you say to recruits after you lose a game like that. Like, just come here because, like, you can play immediately. I, I, I guess that's I, what I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, you know, you could, of course, always pitch the SEC. But at the same time, with other mega conferences coming into coming into shape, like the Big Ten and, and uh, things like that, it's kind of hard to necessarily pitch that. But it, um, or pitch that as, as much as you once did. Um so, I, I, yeah, I, I don't really know what you can tell a kid after that. Well, uh, I mean, New Mexico State, they are also the Aggies, and they are playing for a conference championship. So uh, I assume you'll be in the building. Uh, potentially. I do want to point out, though, shout out to New Mexico, uh, New Mexico State, and former AM legend Eli Stowers. Uh, he did a little bit of everything in that game. He had, like, four or five completions. He, uh, he came into AM as a quarterback. However, he was moved to – like safety or like some kind of defensive position, I believe, or no wide receiver, excuse me. Um, and so anyways, that wide receiver 
pedigree that he had from AM certainly carried over to New Mexico State. He, um, I believe, led um, New Mexico State in all receptions, and he also had like five or six completed passes for a handful of yards. So the dude just kind of did it all on Saturday. He's like the new, like, like a Dory Jackson. Remember that guy? I guess so. And of course. Damn, that's awesome. Yeah, he, he had nine carries, and he also caught four passes. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, so Auburn, I don't know what you're going to do. You need to get a quarterback and a bunch of players. But, yeah, I think that'll spot wrap up our recap and our locks of the week. Uh, we had some new playoff rankings this week. Uh, not too much changed. Uh, you have Georgia – Ohio State and Michigan at one, two, and three. The first change, uh, and really the only one, if I'm not mistaken, is Washington and Florida State swapping spots at four and five. Then you still have six, seven, and eight is Oregon, Texas, Alabama, followed by nine and ten, which is Missouri and Louisville. So, do you have any kind of initial reactions to this? I mean, it's 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 all the same except for that four and five. Um, so my, I guess my main takeaway from this is we'll talk about this in just a moment once we're done discussing the new rankings. Um, but the, the drop off, I mean, Florida state and Washington are still both 11 and 0 undefeated. Um, but the big difference maker is that Florida state is now down a stud starting quarterback and Washington still has there for the time being. So I guess that's my main reaction to seeing this. It's kind of a bummer because there's nothing Florida state really could have done about that. Um, but it just, it is what it is. That's just how football works and um yeah that's pretty much all i got on that yeah i mean the jordan travis injury was was horrible uh pretty pretty bad ankle uh, deal there is they they beat north alabama uh which actually that was i know it's north alabama but the fact that they blew him out like that losing your uh, star quarterback on senior night in that game uh, still pretty impressive so it's the Tate uh, Roadmaker Show now there in Tallahassee, uh, at least for the rest of the season. Uh, yeah, as far as rankings go, um, I mean, I don't really know what to say about Washington and Florida State. Like, I don't really know that it matters that much because, like, I think one of Ohio State or Michigan knocks each other out. Uh, I still kind of think that Texas and Bama should be ahead of Oregon. I mean, I understand the eye test, but Oregon doesn't have a single ranked win this year. Uh, but good thing for the Ducks, though, is that they do get to play Oregon State. And then if they win that, Washington, so they do still have a chance at that. And uh, Missouri and Louisville, I think it's just cool because they have uh, good chances at New Year's Six games. Um, and, yeah, I think that's that's pretty much all I have. I mean, I still think it's uh, – I think it's interesting to still have five undefeated teams for only four spots. But I think there's definitely going to be uh, some some movement with the upcoming matchups, and it'll probably all work itself out. Well, the thing that I'm really intrigued to see after um, rivalry weekend is one, of course, the result of the Ohio State Michigan game, but two, depending on that result, you know, if it's a close game, does the committee still maybe keep Ohio State and Michigan in that top four? Or, you know, if it's so, if say someone either Michigan or Ohio State wins that game by like 10 points or more, does, is that enough to knock uh, the other opponent out of the top four, so on and so forth? And so it'll be really interesting to see. Um, one, the results of the game, as I was just saying, but two, um, just how much that factors into the top four, meaning uh, pretty much what I just said. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, th- I, th- I mean, I think it's a great point because, uh, I mean, I just think the only thing is, is, I mean, say that, whatever, say that Michigan is eleven and one. I mean, if you have a twelve and one Oregon or twelve and one Texas, twelve and one Bama, I mean, I just don't see how you can, how you can leave out 
a 12 and one conference champion and uh, put them behind an 11 and one non-conference champion. But uh, that's just kind of the weirdness of the big 10 and the way that their divisions are, because if, if it was kind of like what the big 12 has, um, which big 12 is kind of a mess with their tiebreakers. But if you just had kind of the, uh, the top two teams going, I mean, you'd, you'd have Michigan, Ohio state two weeks in a row and uh, that would be even crazier, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of these teams are going to get to play each other, particularly Georgia, Bama, Washington, and Oregon, most likely in Ohio State, Michigan. So a lot of this stuff is definitely going to kind of become clear in the next uh, upcoming weeks. But yeah, I think that's just about all we've got, If unless you have anything else to add. No, that's pretty much everything I can think of regarding that. Well, yeah, I think that'll just about wrap it up. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, like we said, it was a... Uh, lot going on there in week 12 and we're excited to get back to y'all uh with our week 13 rivalry week preview and uh yeah i mean y'all know where to find us any questions concerns suggestions or anything you know where we are on instagram twitter our email just about everything else so uh yeah i think we will catch you guys next time thank y'all thank y'all